Entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. It's been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers have got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Spillane with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. now in glad to have you with us hour number two I want to thank tj reese joining us last hour buck sideline reporter giving us the scene from tampa bay we'll visit with him uh, at the end of the week as well too as we've got the super bowl covered for you non-stop with our plethora guests steve berline will join us tomorrow trevor maddich on wednesday mike pritchard on friday uh more uh jay schrader on thursday who else am i forgetting you know they're all here. We'll get it all covered for you. All right, T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, Numchuck on the other side of the glass, hour number two. Matthew Holt from U.S. Integrity. He'll join us. We'll talk betting the Super Bowl here coming up this hour as well, too. So a lot to do and a lot to cover as we get ready for it. You know, this, this whole week off, I just I, I don't like it. Uh, you know, We're in that rhythm, 17 straight weeks of game after game after game, meaningful game, and then we comes to a crashing halt. And how many people did you come across you know, on social media and stuff. Oh, I missed my football this week. This isn't right. Well, I mean, I saw some of that, but it's like, you know what? But if we would have had the Super Bowl this Sunday, then what would we see today? Oh, I missed football. What am I going to do for the next several months? So we're going to have that after next Sunday, too. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, social media is people like to complain a lot on social media. Don't know if you noticed that or not, <laughs> oh, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's kind of a wine fest in a lot of things. No Are doubt. Are you crazy? No doubt. All right, let's uh, bring in uh, our expert from the book side and everything else, Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity. What is going on, my man? TC, how we doing on this busy Monday? Woo, busy it is, man. You know, we're kicking off Super Bowl week. Uh, we just heard from our guy in Tampa Bay. And now we got to talk a little about the betting, Matt. So we know that the betting handle is in a, in a little bit of a question when you talk to some sports book directors because of the pandemic. Uh, certain restrictions on the number of people allowed in the sports book, uh, the lack of large gatherings, really no big parties to speak of. So let me ask you, with all that being said, do you think that we will have uh, the handle suffer a little bit? In Nevada here, yes, we certainly will. Uh, across the country, you're going to see record numbers reported, especially in states that are predominantly online betting. Tennessee, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, I think will all post huge record numbers. Here in Nevada, it's not a question of if the handle will be down compared to the last couple of years, but how much. All right. Matthew Holt uh, joins us, and we talk about that. Matt, we see record handle the last three years. We go back to 2016 through 2018. We kept seeing an increase, and then it was all topped off at the uh, at the end of that 2018 season, that Super Bowl with Philly and New England, 180 uh, was 188.6 million in handle that the books did, and then we go back to last year, we had 154.7 with Kansas City's victory over over San Francisco. Do you think that? That those years we had exceptional handle because we had great matchups, or was it just because the popularity of the NFL and betting was increasing? 
at those two combos that you just mentioned, the popularity of betting and the popularity of the NFL combined. As, as sports betting became legal, it became more mainstream. As it became more mainstream, it just added to the buzz that is already Super Bowl, and this is the biggest wagering event in the world. What I wonder now, though, is because Nevada, the handle is so, be, so based on walking up to the counter, uh, how much is it going to suffer here? Uh, but I do think we're going to see some huge record handles in some states because what a sexy matchup this is. You know, the best of all time, Tom Brady versus the best in the game right now, Pat Mahomes. You have all the superstars for all the player props. I think both teams are exciting. Uh, I think we could see numbers like in New Jersey. I wouldn't be surprised if they report 350 to $400 million wagered on this game. My over-under here for Nevada, $129 million. 129 So that would be one of the lowest handles we've seen in quite some time. And are you basing all of that just on, on, on pandemic? Because we know that here's – the, and here's why I ask you this. Because we have seen record numbers during the course of the regular season – and then now sportsbook directors are saying, hey, you know, we've done great all year long. It's been fantastic. You know, people are still coming. They're depositing their money maybe at off hours, and they're betting through the mobile apps and everything. So if, if that's the case during the course of this regular season and the first couple rounds of the playoffs, then why would there be such this massive, massive drop-off of the Super Bowl? Well, let's just use standard numbers. So last year, Nevada did what? Five point six billion. Uh, two years ago, twenty nineteen. Last year, it did four point three billion. While other states still grew, New, Jer- New Jersey still grew exponentially through the uh, through the pandemic, almost to seven billion dollars wagered. You know, they're clearly a huge gap now, about a $3 billion gap now between New Jersey and Nevada. In fact, Nevada is rapidly headed probably for the number five state after New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado. Some of these newer states coming on are just doing huge numbers. Uh, And part of the challenge here is in a pandemic time when you can't really – you know, get down to the sports book and have the parties and traffic that you used to, you also can't deposit online in Nevada. You have to go to a property to do that. And there is a certain portion of the population that just doesn't want to go out during a pandemic to risk going into a casino to do that. So these states where you can fund remotely online, New Jersey, Tennessee, Colorado, Pennsylvania, they're going to do huge numbers. The ones that require you to go down to the sports books uh, are probably going to do significant less numbers, and we saw that going from 5.6 to 4.3 billion. I don't think there's any way after you look at the handle numbers overall last year that you could say that the Super Bowl is going to stay the same or actually climb. When you look at numbers like that, what's the realistic view of when almost every state is just going to say this is crazy for us not to get part of this and get all the revenue that we can make from it, and you see other states with maybe bigger cities like in Illinois with Chicago and that where, where they're going to get in there and go, yeah, let's do it. Let, let's, start the, uh, let's let them start doing the wagering and get the money from it. Well, that's part of the problem here in Nevada is, well, let's face it, Las Vegas was always a destination for the Super Bowl, but now with 21 states taking bets, and some of the biggest ones in the country in terms of population, um, you know, like New Jersey and Pennsylvania, uh, Illinois now, Colorado, there isn't really a need, especially during a pandemic, to come out here to Las Vegas. 
They can simply bet this game uh, in whatever state they live in, with 21 states taking legally accepting sports wagers now. Almost everybody lives either in a state or next to a state where sports betting is legal, and thus the idea of having to come all the way across the country during a pandemic to place bets in Las Vegas just really isn't a necessity anymore. And even if they did want to come out and be a part of the amazing festive atmosphere that we have here in Las Vegas, because of the restrictions that were under those parties, that same atmosphere isn't even available. And because of that, I think the numbers you're going to see are going to be significantly lower than in the past few years. Try to get our head around what you just said a little while ago, that Nevada would be number five in wagering. When it was number one and the only one before, and now you're saying that Nevada could rank fifth as far as total handle. Doesn't that sound a little... Not in five years, TC. By the end of this year. Crazy. Doesn't that sound crazy when we're talking about this? Well, it sounds crazy, but it also sounds to me like it uh, potentially could, if as more states adopt this and get more in tune to it, that they could continue to drop down even further. Right. Right. That's oh, true. significantly further. I mean, as as the Illinois market matures and the Michigan market matures, and some of these states with higher populations. Well, look at Ohio. Have, I mean, Ohio to me would just be boom. That would be gangbuster right there. And the problem is, all of these states have remote sign up, remote funding. You don't have to leave your house to wager anymore. And I don't want to say that the Nevada laws are outdated. I have so much respect for the wonderful folks at the Nevada Gaming Control Board and all the folks that work in gaming in Nevada. And I think the pandemic slowed down some of the um, legislative sessions and probably changes that were going to be made. But at this point, as it stands right now in Nevada, we have some outdated policies that that make handle and make gathering revenue difficult when you look at the entire countrywide landscape. The entire nation has moved to a very mobile-friendly uh, environment for where people sign up remotely, deposit remotely, withdraw remotely. And Nevada, who always was you know, here to, to cater to our brick-and-mortar constituents, um, we never really adopted any of those regs, and that, that's the big reason why we're falling further and further behind is it's a real challenge for people to deposit. Let's face it, at least some percentage of betting, whether it's 10 20 30%, is done spontaneously. Uh, hey, oh, my goodness, I put the TV on, and Texas Tech, Oklahoma is about to start. Boy, that's going to be a great game. I'd like to bet it. So then I make a deposit embedded. But here in Nevada, that would mean i got to drive all the way down to the casino, sign up for an account, make a deposit in person. I won't make it there by the time the game starts, or I don't want to do it. So I don't. There is a certain portion of mishandle that the lack of remote funding and the lack of remote sign-up just prohibits us from getting. So let me ask this, because this is a question that we get all the time, especially with tourists that come into town when we're doing the show at the Cosmopolitan. They say, hey, uh, why can't I? They'll just think that they can put down a credit card, and they go, no, you can't do that. Why do you think that is? Like you said, if you do open an overseas account, you can do that, and it sounds like you can definitely do that with uh, some of these other states. Why doesn't Nevada take credit cards? And that's a, a question I've never been able to answer to people that have come up and asked that question. Some of it's responsible gambling. A lot of the states where people say they take credit cards, they actually take debit cards. Credit cards are pretty rare in gambling. Okay, well, that's what I'm saying. Okay, either one. Sure, I got you. Yeah. Why can't we use either? I don't know. The idea of a debit card is you have the money in an account somewhere, thus it's a debit card, so you're not necessarily betting on credit. 
Um, the books don't want to deal with all the bad credit. And historically, when you, if you did allow credit cards, people would dispute the charges later, and, and it's kind of a mess. But with debit cards, you're right. I mean, if that's their money, they have it in an account, um, they can go into a casino and withdraw that money from an ATM and wager it. Why can't they use that debit card to fund? That's a very good question. When it comes to this betting from all these other states, do they offer everything that they do out here in Nevada? Do they offer the prop bets and the in-game wagering and things like that, too? I think most of the states offer more than they do in Nevada. If you look pulled up the wager menu on a daily basis, forget about the Super Bowl because everybody offers so many props. Pick a random Wednesday NBA action or a random Saturday college basketball action, and go look at the FanDuel, DraftKings, some of these New Jersey and Colorado apps, and what's available to wager on the apps, and then compare it to what's available in the Nevada casinos, and you'll see that Nevada is certainly behind in terms of wager menu options, although, let's face it, most of these companies are uh, nationwide companies spread amongst all the different states. Now, the difference is the ones that are kind of doing the most props and the most new and innovative options, FanDuel, DraftKings, PointsBets, Betfreds, aren't currently operating in Nevada. So when we think about where Nevada stands in terms of number of wagering options available to patrons, it could literally be number 14 or 15 in the nation out of, number, out of 21 states right now. All right, Matthew Holt joins us from U.S. Integrity, talking about the wave of betting, talking about Super Bowl 55 taking place on Sunday. All right, let's talk about the game itself, Matt, a little bit. Kansas City is favored by three. We've seen the number uh, open three, go three and a half. Uh, A couple of huge bets came in. We saw a $2.3 million bet on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week. So the line pretty much has kind of settled in at minus three for Kansas City. Uh, The Chiefs are getting about 74% of the point spread uh, bets. And uh, we've had, uh, you know, like I said, several large bets, a lot of six-figure bets already. Uh, give us, uh, give us some thoughts here about, uh, you know, why we're we're seeing so many big wagers early on, especially when you know, when I see someone laying two point three million or high six-figure bets more than a week before the Super Bowl, especially especially considering this COVID environment. I wouldn't do that. I would wait to, you know, basically with you know within a few hours of a game or the day of the game. And I think we lost Matt. Are we there, Matt? Uh, Sometimes with these big bets, it's actually hard, TC, to to get them down in one swoop. You know, we had a bet in the office of whether there would be a bigger wager on the Super Bowl than the $2.3 million. I'm on the no side just because – Normally, sports books don't want to take $2.5 million in one lump sum. They'll make you bet a million, a million and a half. Maybe they'll let you come back and bet another half million after because it's so important to their bottom line for the year that they kick off Super Bowl with a net positive result. So the fact that, you know, it's this early and, it, and there's so much liquidity, they allow people to make these types of wagers. But at the end of the day, why wait? Again, you know, you're probably not likely to come out here. And if you can get the number you want, I don't see in, in, in the casino at that point, by them taking it early, like the $2.3 million on Tampa, it gives them more time to balance their books. Where if people come in on Saturday night and try to bet $2.5 million, well, they might not want to take that $2.5 million because they just spent 10 days getting those books balanced for a great positive result on the Super Bowl no matter what happens. You bring that $2.5 million, you could throw the whole thing off. 
I think if you want to bet those big giant bets, the earlier you ask to try to get them in, the better, because that gives the sports books plenty of time to then risk manage their way out of that situation. So have you have you seen or heard of of books declining big bets like that? Because we always hear about oh the bet these big bets that are being made, but we really never hear about bets being declined. Uh, have you heard that? And if so, why? All the time, and we would, you know, when I was at Cantor, we declined plenty of those. And what you don't, what you do is you don't necessarily decline them. We'd have people come in, and they would call and say, "Hey, I want to bet ten million on the Super Bowl." And at that point, you don't know where your liquidity is going to be, so you're, you can't take ten million. So maybe you say, "Okay, I'll take one point five now." And then as the week goes on, and it gets closer and closer to the game, depending on where your liability is. You know, if, if you can continue to balance the book or, or keep it within a certain range, whatever your risk threshold is, then you're happy to take more and more and more. Uh, but taking them all in one big chunk, I would say that if you tried to bet $5 million on the Super Bowl in one sum, lump sum, and you went around to every property, more properties would say no than yes. They would say, oh, we'll take a half a million, we'll take a million, we'll take a million point five, and come back and talk to us because maybe we'll take more later. But I would say 10%, if you went to 20 books, only two, maybe even one, maybe none, would take all $5 million in one shot. Well, I know if I make a $5 million bet, that thing's going to bounce right out of this galaxy, so there's no way that it's going to do anything. But when it comes to taking a bet like that, how does that transpire? I mean, is it a cashier's check? Is it an IOU? Is it a credit card thing? I mean, a $5 million bet, how does one place that? I'm, I'm assuming they don't come in with a, suit, a suitcase full of cash and say, here's $5 mil. Well, that is. An IOU, that cracks me up. An IOU. Let's walk around with everyone with IOUs. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I can't fathom it because right. that money's so out of, out of my realm. Well, Matt's got plenty well, of stories and experience here, so go ahead, man. Go ahead. Yeah, for most of the times, they, they do some type of wire transfer or bank wire directly to the casino and then the casino cage will give that patron chips big giant chips basically you could hold five million worth of chips in your hand assuming they're the right denomination chips and then the patron will take those chips over to the sports book and place the wagers there it is. And we have seen guys, Matt, as you know, doing the show on a Friday afternoon, we've seen guys come in with backpacks and, and some suitcases oh, yeah. full of cash as well too. Plenty. I've what? seen plenty of duffel bag guys. I mean, we, we had a famous better the last couple of years. They called him the duffel bag guy because he literally walked into sports books with a big duffel bag full of cash. So that part of it certainly happens as well. Right. Okay, on the wagering of the game, I want to get this breakdown a little bit if you have this because you're talking about the handle and everybody talks about the prop bets and this and that. How will it break down when all is said and done as far as Pre-game bets, in-game wagering, and then prop bets. Like, what percentage will go to each one of those types of different uh, things for the Super Bowl here? So, one, I would say that it'll probably be about 60% props, 30% pre-game bets on the three major markets, point spread, total money line, and 10% of the bets will be NFL futures, which also get graded that day and count toward the handle. It's one of the reasons for the astronomical handle is that the NFL futures market grades that day and thus is included. So I would say about 10%, 5 to 10% on the NFL futures market, 60% props, 30% pregame bets on the three major markets. 
There he is, Matthew Holt from U.S. Integrity. Again, that is your business. You monitor uh, these games, just regular games, uh, college games, all different sports. But when you get to the Super Bowl, the mega game like this, uh, talk to us a little bit about from the integrity issue here. Because, again, you know, people are always thinking, okay, something funny can, can go on here. And, again, you know, there's, there's this thing that we say that, hey, these athletes make so much money now. The idea of them being bribed or tanking, it's so different than it was, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. I mean, you know, the Black Sox scandal back in the day, I mean, that really is kind of a thing of the past. And again, you know, being here in Vegas, you know, in the, the 90s, we saw, you know, the Arizona State scandal. We've seen some other ones. You know, obviously, about some others since then. But talk to us about the integrity in a game of this magnitude. Well, the integrity in a game like this revolves around the props. The biggest risk in in sports betting was always the individual player performance props or individual event props that people can manipulate that doesn't really have a massive impact on the game. So those are the ones where the vulnerability is. You know, who will catch the first pass? Or even will the first pass be complete or incomplete? You know, if you wanted to manipulate that, these guys script out their first ten plays of the game ahead of time. If you were the wide receiver or the running back where that play was scripted to you, um, you could certainly drop that pass, and all of a sudden that, that prop was fixed. And those are the the things that we worry about more. Much more has to do, you know, we have people that are constantly – checking the rehearsal times on the time of the national anthem and trying to get inside information on the on the color of the Gatorade and because there's so many props offered and a lot of them are kind of entertainment based um, I think that at the end of the day those are the things we try to watch to make sure people aren't you know inappropriately or nefariously getting and utilizing inside information for the purposes of sports betting but when there's so many things to bet on in this game, it's a real challenge to watch them all, especially with the amount of public liquidity that's wagered on this game. Sometimes it's even easy to hide um, those suspicious or abnormal wagers. You know, a lot of times, Matt, you know, we see uh, some bets nowadays that we never used to see before. Before, you could never bet on the coin flip and, and uh, like I said, the length of the national anthem. And you could only do that overseas. But I think we've seen Nevada open up a little bit uh, about that. I believe what the verbiage was, if it wasn't actually uh, some, uh, a competitive thing that was actually done in the field, you couldn't wager on it. But uh, the commission has actually loosened up on that, haven't they? across the country and the Nevada State Athletic I mean the Nevada Gaming Commission has loosened up a bit um, but when you see some of these other states and the things that they're allowing to, to wagering to be on it just that list continues to expand and expand and expand and some of it has to do with the comfort of the operators some of it has to do with the comfort of the regulators but it does get to a point with expansion where the vulnerability and risk associated with some of these markets are, are really close to being uh, to be challenging, to say the least. How competitive is it between the various sports books to get up different props than their comp- than the other guys do? Like, oh well, we got a, a, a prop on you know how many points and rebounds LeBron James is going to get, but we've got one on LeBron and somebody or, or you, whatever it is. But how much do they really look at the other books? Because everybody's got a thousand props out there, but everybody wants that one that people are talking about. That's right, and there's a lot of pressure to come up with unique, fun, entertaining props, something that will convince people 
that they should go down and download your app and deposit onto your uh, platform, especially, it's again, it's not as much here because of the fact that you physically have to go down to a casino anyway. I don't know if the competition is as fierce, but in some of these states like New Jersey where 90% of the bets are placed uh, via mobile applications, then that, that competition is beyond fierce. The Because all you want is someone to download your app, whether it's because they see a cool prop or they see a cool market that nobody else has. Because once they download that app and make a deposit, they're more likely to play with you than other apps if their money's there. So there is fierce competition nowadays in the regulated sports betting landscape. Uh, and we see it with the amount of promotions and marketing and refunds and bad beat refunds and all these different things that they're doing across the country that the competition for market share has never been and probably never will be again as fierce as it is right now as everyone's vying for new customers in new states. Matthew Holt from U.S. Integrity. That is his company. He was a former VP at CG Technology, Canner Gaming, as we know. And you mentioned that earlier, Matt. Take us through that Super Bowl week, when you're, especially the beginning, when you guys are trying to get that edge, like Frank brought up, about you know getting these props together and this and that. You talked about the, the big wagers that you would take. Again, a lot of responsibility here. But tell us like what that say that once the Super Bowl was announced, what that looked like and what kind of work you were doing and how you could kind of have your own niche compared to the other books. So the risk spots were always you go into the week knowing where you stood um, from the NFL futures. And I've heard some very famous, including, you know, famous bookmakers like Nick Bagdanovich from William Hill who said, um, you know, that Tampa Bay was their worst outcome to win it, but Kansas City was their best because a lot of times people don't like to bet the favorite. People that bet futures tend to want to bet long shots, so Kansas City winning was actually their best. Tampa Bay losing was their worst, so you're already going to want to take more Kansas City action, and that was a common theme amongst a lot of the books. So then you go in there, and maybe it should be Kansas City minus three and a half, but you open it up Kansas City minus three because you're happy to take more Kansas City money, especially early, to try to balance out your books. When it comes to props, though, I will say this. That, you know, One of the biggest vulnerabilities early is the NFL futures for next year. You don't want to get those really wrong. You need to stay on top of them a bit because when you're offering 20, 30, 40 to 1 odds, you know, if you allow some, you know, too many bets to come down at big odds, you could put yourself in a disadvantageous spot for the next year. But then it's just a matter of monitoring the props. Let's face it, those props make money. There's never been a year when the sports books have lost on props, and there probably never will be, considering the sports books have a 5% edge on a standard minus 110, minus 110. Imagine having a 5% edge across 600 different markets. How do you lose? Um, it's really hard for the sports books to lose. So at the end of the day, you just have to monitor for bad numbers. Because, again, this is human beings putting in these odds changes, typing in these odds. You have to be very careful of typos, very careful of monitoring the right markets. And a lot of times these betting syndicates come in, and when they come in, they hit all the correlated 
uh, props with everything. So if they like Tampa and under, they're going to be hitting every Kansas City receiver and running back under, Kansas City first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter under. So when you come in and have these big syndicate waves, it's important that your risk managers understand, okay, as they start to come in, you know, because of the types of wagers they're moving, these are the 31 different markets I now have to all change uh, to kind of keep my odds straight and, the, and, the, and the, the book balanced a little bit. But at the end of the day, as long as the risk managers stay focused because of the sheer volume of number of props and the fact that they have at least a 5% edge on every one of them, if they manage them right, props should make money year after year after year. When it comes to being in that room and figuring out what props you're going to use, is there such a thing as somebody throwing out a bad property? You throw out every idea you have, and how? What? Who determines what's the final four hundred or five hundred or thousand or whatever that you're going to use, as opposed to what ones didn't make the cut and and aren't on that list? I don't think there are bad props, and and one of the things that's interesting about the Super Bowl, and I really in my years at Cantor, we started to figure this out pretty easily, is you could put a prop out there. Let's pick a popular one like coin flip. Say you made coin flip, heads, tails, and the third option is the coin will sprout wings and fly away <laughs> at 10,000 to 1. People would bet that 10,000 to 1 because they just love the odds. Oh, my goodness, it's 10,000 to 1. Let me throw $20 on it. I'm going to be rich if it hits. Yeah, of course, but the odds of the coin sprouting wings and flying away are zero, but they don't care. So anything is okay. I don't think there's any prop that's out of bounds. What I think we, you know, regulators probably need to be careful of is props that are actually physically impossible because literally any prop you put out will get bet during the week. That is insane. And two, Matt, wouldn't you think that, and I'm sure you guys do this, where you will set maybe some odds that maybe are are a lot lower just in case you guys do get uh, hit or get hurt because I know that people will bet on anything, like you said, and they love the props. So like, let's say I know, something is, is, is plus 800 or something like that. It should probably be maybe plus 2,400 or something, but people just don't know the value. They think, especially for like uh, you know, the casual bettors who come into town and just want to have you know, action on just about everything, I'm sure you guys factor that into it as well too, right? Absolutely, and it's just it's amazing what they'll bet. And you know, it, so you you have to be a little bit careful. But literally, you could put up props like you know, it used to be it had to be decided on the field of play. So you would put props up like, will there be safeties on back-to-back plays? 500 to 1. Well, the true odds of that should be like 10 million to 1. Yet at 500 to 1, I guarantee you'd have people coming up to bet it. So, um, yes, their answer is yes. On a lot of those what we call needle in the haystack props, the actual value compared to the true odds of it happening isn't very close. And we've seen that with future bets, too. I mean, like with baseball you know, teams, somebody that should be, you know, whether, I don't know, the White Sox back in the day, they're, they're 80 to 1 to win the World Series. They should be 800 to 1, but people still think, hey, that's pretty good value at 80. But if you really follow it, they're going like, man, that's not enough value for me. 
Yeah, and you know what's amazing about those markets is you don't see any big long shots anymore. Right. The makers have started to realize that if you just make a bunch of teams four and five to one, nobody will bet on them anyway because they don't like to bet favorites. And now the longest shots on the board, the Baltimore Orioles, the Detroit Tigers, are like 50 to one. When in reality, they sh- you could make them 500 to one. It wouldn't feel like good value. But because of a couple of crazy, you know, uh, one crazy soccer upset and the St. Louis Cardinals several years ago and a couple of big bombs that came home, the books don't even want that kind of liability anymore and things that actually have, like, you know, a decent chance of winning, like MLB or anything like that. If if you're seeing 500 to 1, it's probably on will the coin sprout wings and fly away. There you go. And I remember that, uh, like the Twins, I think it was, when 81 or whatever those early there, there it was. It was like, oh, wait a minute. This, this was ridiculous. And, you know, it was almost 100 to 1. But you don't see that anymore. Yeah, because the books basically said we're not going to get caught with that again. So right. it's just not going to happen. And, right. you know, like, you know, if Cody Parkey's the kicker, then, you know, <laughs> what's the chance of a double doink miss field goal happening? Probably with any other kicker, it's not going to happen, but somebody would bet. Now, it. Matt, there we go. Is, is, that, is that a prop? Will there be a double doink? Or, <laughs> I'm sure there's, there's stuff like that that's out there, right? I'm sure somebody has a prop that uh, will there be a field goal that hits two two of the crossbars? <laughs> I'm sure there is. There you go. All right, my man. Hey, we appreciate you taking the time as always. Very educational stuff, and a lot of times we don't get into this. And I think it's it's, it's important, especially this time of year when people do come out of the woodwork and they can hardly wait to hardly wait to bet these uh, huge games like this. And like I said, more and more props every year we're seeing about it. So. Uh, Great stuff. Most of the time we're just focusing on, on the games itself, and we'll do that with you later in the week, of course. But uh, appreciate the time today, man. Great stuff. Thanks, guys. Best of luck this week. Take care. There it is, Matthew Holt. And, uh, of course, we'll, he'll join us towards the end of the week as well as we start talking about the game itself, Kansas City minus three against Tampa Bay. And the current number, I know on Friday we talked about throughout the William Hill Sportsbooks was about 74% of the tickets were on the Chiefs right now, but some big bets coming in on Tampa Bay. You ever notice how sports changes the meaning of words and vocabulary in that too? You know, when you gave somebody their props, you were you used to be right. saying something nice. Now it's all about the different prop bets and the sideline crazy stuff that you can do. You know, a GOAT used to be Bill Buckner for blowing a game. Now the GOAT is the greatest of all time. Things change constantly in the sports world. The same words mean completely different things. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Again, there, there are so many things when someone coins something or comes up with it, and then they, they just run with it. And not exactly what you're talking about, but when you're, you know, something just hits my mind, things that irritate me when, okay, what, what have we always called the, the pitcher's what? We'd always call it what? The pitcher's mound? The pitcher's mound, exactly, right? And now it was it was very, I guess, avant-garde for somebody to say, oh, he's on the bump tonight. Yeah. I or don't want to hear the bump. Yeah. Or no the, bump. The, the bump, the hill. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the hill and the mound, always. Yeah, the, That's the, what you're, yeah. oh, he's on the mound tonight. He's on the hill tonight. Oh, so-and-so's taking the bump. What are you talking about taking the bump? Bump is something else. Bump City, man, that was a dance back in the day. What are you talking about? Bump this. Yeah, that, 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 that's what you do on the road that stays on the road. Exactly. And it's after the game. Yeah. But, <laughs> again, yeah, words. Words have different meanings nowadays. And, really, it's more of a cultural generation type of thing as well, too. But, yeah, it, it's funny you bring that up. Yeah, but props, yeah, people love the props. But it's funny because you never truly get the value 
of of the real odds on that prop. And Dude. it all is because of Mike Ditka and Refrigerator Perry. <laughs> There's one for you. Well, uh, uh, Jimmy yeah. Vaccaro, and, and I think yeah. Matt said it last week, too. Yeah. Every sports, that was the one a that set it over the top. Right. Because so many books put it up and so many people cashed on it. The books lost their butt, but all of a sudden the light bulb went on and said, hey, we need more of these. People love them. Right. If Perry doesn't score that touchdown and they give it to Walter Payton like they should have, <laughs> then we might not have the prop world that we do today. Yeah. Yeah, what was that? What was that prop bet? Will a uh, w- will someone other than a running back score a touchdown, or will I think it was actually for, for, for you? Actually, it was going to be referred because he had Perry. a couple carries earlier on in yeah. the season. Yeah, well, and, and you know the whole reason that whole thing started because the year before when the Bears got shut out by the 49ers, when they gave Guy McIntyre the ball a couple times at right. the end of the game, and Walter Payton and Jim McMahon said as they were walking off the field, the 49er players were joking, were laughing at them and saying, "Next year, bring your offense." Because the defense was good, but the offense was terrible. And Ditka remembered that, and he said, I'm going to get those SOBs back. And then yeah. Buddy Ryan didn't want to use Perry, and Ditka said, okay, i got a place for him. Right. He put him in the backfield. That was all just to get back at the 49ers. Right, right. But didn't uh, Perry uh, appear earlier as a blocker, though, too? Didn't he block He, he blocked, blocked a couple Peyton. times, yeah. and, and, and then yeah. Ditka said, said no, no, give him the well, ball. Well, hell, give that right. 320 pounds or whatever yeah. he was. He gets ahead of steam going. Who's going to stop him we on saw, a one-yard smash? We've seen a lot of that where they'll bring in you know, a, a jumbo Yeah, the big defense. blocking back or exactly. whatever. Yeah. yeah, the blocking back. But yeah. then they, they yeah. Or, or even throw him out as like a tight end or something exactly. and try to throw him the ball. But exactly. Yeah, but, yeah, but he gave it to him and said, because Buddy Ryan said, well, you drafted him. You, you find a place for him. All right, good stuff with Matthew Holt, U.S integrity former vp at cg technology and again uh, just busy busy time here with all the busy, betting that happens busy, busy. Yeah. when we come back <laughs> we'll start uh, talking about uh, some nfl news as well too and a very special birthday today that we're going to throw at you uh, and once we start talking about this gentleman and playing some audio you may remember who he was because he was one of the innovators we'll get to that T.C. Martin Show on a Monday. This is Showtime Sean Porter. You know I'm tuning in to the T.C. Martin Show. Get on over to one of the William Hill Sportsbook properties, specifically the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Get the mobile app. It is Super Bowl week. Now is the time to bet all of the props, bet the game, the total, everything else. Not only just football, but just a great weekend in store because you got college basketball a day Saturday, the NBA, and, of course, a plethora of other sports, soccer, everything else. Yes, but get the mobile app on your phone. Download it first. Open a new account. This is the best time to do it. And they will give you a free $50 at William Hill. That's right. Open a new account. Deposit at least $50. Once you download on the phone, go to the sports book. Deposit at least $50. They'll give you an additional $50 if you use the promo code TC50. Again, TC50, the promo code for free money in your account. So do it early because it takes a couple days to get that fifty, the additional $50 in your account. Uh, and... Uh, Play with it for free. Use it. So at William Hill. Skate on over to William Hill. Skate. Roll on over. Bounce on over. Rock on over. But do yeah, they, yeah. Do you let you wear roller skates in the casino? I don't think they probably would. I bet that. No, I think you can. I mean, come on. If you can see a dog in a casino, why can't you see a roller? Well, but and again, are there comfort skates? Listen, did you ever watch <laughs> Boogie Nights? Did no. you see Roller Girl? No. You never saw Boogie Nights? Roller girl, she skated everywhere. She had her skates on in the back of the limousine. 
I saw she was Kansas, skating in a restaurant. I saw Kansas City Bomber with Raquel Wells. Very good. Cut off the jam. That, there that, you go. Uh, now, that was a good roller skating yeah. movie. Yeah, was, <laughs> that was a roller derby movie. That was a difference. Well, yeah, they were roller skating. Yeah, she, yeah I mean, don't you, a lot of people will be rolling on their roller skates in the mall. Then go. I think you can go in a casino. I believe so. Why couldn't you? Can you roller skate through the drive-thru? <laughs> I believe you can. Why not? I saw somebody the other day. It'd I went call the roller through. I, I went through. I was channeling my inner uh, TJ Reeves, and I went through a drive through the other day. Oh, and there's a guy on a bike behind me, <laughs> on a bicycle. I've seen that before. Yeah, I've seen. I was that. like, yeah. okay, yeah. How did he trip the information to get that they even knew he was there? Well, I'll tell you what. Do you scream into the? Hey, I'm out here. I was at Freddy's. I saw this. It was like a Sunday afternoon. It was during the pandemic. It was probably a few months ago. It was, it was summertime. And I saw these two guys walk up to the window. I've seen people do that, and yeah. I've seen them I've, I've seen them get denied. At the, now, I haven't seen it personally, but yeah. I've seen it like on I know. You know, social media or something like that. Because I was already it. ordered, and I was already parked. And so I was eating and then just they're, you know watching the line through, and I saw these two guys go up to the box, and they were talking, and then they continued to, and I, I don't know, not for sure, but I think they got served because then they were, like, standing on the sidewalk waiting for their order right there while the cars were going because it was still pretty packed, and they walked up, and I believe they got their order. So maybe it's not technically a drive through well and, well, and maybe it all changed with the pandemic and everything. Mm, I but know. I do remember looking in my rearview mirror going, Guy's on a bike. Yeah. Hope he's not going to try to eat and ride at the same time. That'd be difficult. So Friday, when we're at the Cosmopolitan, <laughs> why don't you ask Brian Benowitz uh, if uh, he can roller skate through the casino? <laughs> if I remember, yeah. <laughs> it's a long way from now. Yeah. <laughs> and and I did sit next to RVD last time. So you did. How are your gummies, by the way? Did you try the gummies? Um, they. I'm sure they're still fresh. I have not opened them yet. I bet you Numchuck went through that whole bottle already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just bought one of those big gulps or whatever he's always got, and who knows what's in that thing, and washed them all down in one, you know, just gobbled them right down. Now's a good good time to mention the RVD CBD. Go to the website, the promo code. What is it? TCRVD. I'm asking you what it is. RVD CBD and use the promo code TCRVD. Quick confusing. For 21% off. Yeah, 21% off. How did I confuse him? By saying it right? That's it, right? (laughs) <laughs> a lot of alpha- you're the one that was saying there's a lot of a lot of letters in that alphabet. Well, yeah, there. because then we have TB and KC and the SB. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Double B, TC, BP, all here in the house. T S O P M F S B. There's there's an old school reference for you. That's a that's a song in the group. There you go. And if you could tell me right now, Frank, I'll I'll, I'll buy you a steak dinner if you can tell me what T S O P by M F S B stands for. No, I don't even have any idea. No, well, can't figure that one out. I'm, I'd, I'd have to write them all down to even remember yeah. what the hell you just <laughs> <Yeah>. said. <laughs> there it is. Why don't you get that song up, man? Why don't you get that up? T-S-O-P, M-F-S-B. You like that? And a lot of people don't know if it's M-F-S-B is the group or if T-S-O-P is the group. Now, if you hear... Now, if you just went T-S-O, I'd go Trans-Siberian Orchestra, but then you went well beyond that. Exactly. So. <laughs> well, once you hear it, you'll kind of go, there, there we go. The, the hits keep on coming, ladies and gentlemen. You know how we do. Throwing down the old school. You could have heard this at a roller rink near you. Yes. T-S-O-P is basically... I'll give you, I'll give you the second. The second letter is S, which is sound. Sound, and it's generational. kind of means something. You're probably not hip to it because you're such a rock and roller, but that's okay. Are they playing this at Crystal Palace right now? Uh, 
Does Floyd Mayweather, does Money Mayweather have this song in his iPod? Probably not. This was the jam back in the day. You said it's at roller rinks around you. Hey. He owns Crystal Palace. I'll do this right now. Well, I'll give away uh, tickets to Crystal Palace. I don't know if we have those. No. But I'll give I'll, we'll give away some food right now. 221-7283. You tell me TSOP, MFSB, and then Frank will know. 702 the area code. 221-7283. Tell me. Name of the song. Name of this group. I already gave you the name of the song. It's t- MFSB, TSOP, you tell me what it stands for. We're going to give you some free food. How's that? Got any idea? Want to guess? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll see what happens there. It's classic. All right. Should we use a MFSB to uh, talk about our sports headlines here? Hurry up. I thought we had a sports story we were going to get to. Uh, we, we still do that. <laughs> I thought we had an official sports story we to do, get to. Uh, an official, an official, <laughs> official sports story. Happy birthday goes out to this gentleman, and I know you will remember him. Anybody old school probably remember this guy. All right. Today it is Ben Dreith's birthday. Ben Dreith. He was an official. He was a referee in the National Football League for 30 years, going back to 1960 to 1990. He refereed two Super Bowls, uh, eight conference championship games. And the reason why I brought this up today, because Jeremy Schapp uh, did a great story on him on Inside the Lines on Outside ESPN. Outside the Lines. I'm sorry, on Outside the Lines. Thank you. Um, did a great profile on uh, Ben Dreith. And he was one of the first referees that really was mic'd up. And he had passion. He had attitude. And we'll play a couple of those those classic calls from Ben Dreith and people will remember. But um, the guys like Jerry Mark Breith, you know, came after him. Other guys, we see Jerome Bogard now. Um, you know, Gene Tunney uh, came came right after uh, Ben Dreith as well, too. But, yeah, this uh, he was – everyone loved watching the football games that Ben Dreith would officiate. Because you got some some total gems. So. He was one of the few officials that people actually did go yeah. to the game to see. Right. How we always say yes, too many of these exactly. officials think that the fans are there yeah. to see them and they're not. Yeah. This guy fans actually enjoy. Yeah. Gene Stestor, who now does uh, the the review for CBS, he just retired recently, was also a basketball official as well, too. But Ed Hockley, people always talk about Ed Hockley and his big guns. Yeah. But, you know, I think Ed, wasn't Ed the guy that came out with the with the index card the one time? Remember, they're trying to measure, and they got an index card to see if it was yeah, a first down it, or not. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so crazy. But Ben Dreith, I mean, he was the guy that really started it all. So you may remember a couple of these calls. Classic from Ben Dreith. On number 99 of the defense, after he tackled the quarterback, he's giving them business down there at the 15-yard penalty. There's a face mask on the uh, white team, IVW, on the red team, double foul after a change. The ball's going to stay right where it is. They're going to have to get them in That's the- a personal foul on the kicker for trying to draw. to get these guys after a card. So, yes, the kicker trying to uh, draw a, a penalty. like because he It was kind of like a flopping penalty yeah. before there was an official so flopping that penalty. That was Ray Wershing uh, for the 49ers w- 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 was, was that one. And uh, the other one was, I believe, the Eagles-Giants game uh, where I believe it was the Eagles were involved where the quarterback – 
the, the Eagles guy was on him, and he was punching him. If you remember, yeah. he said, "Hey, you can't do that." He, what do we say? Personal foul? Well, give us a description, Ben Dreith. Uh, well, he's giving him the business, and he starts motioning that he's punching the guy. Yeah. It's classic. Oh, it, it, it was awesome when it happened. I mean, it, it, went, it went viral before people knew what viral was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, really, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. This is when, you know, people would get excited when – Ben Dreith and some of these officials after him were doing games. And I don't know about you. It's like, oh, great. We get to see this guy because he might say something really crazy or really goofy. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. It was, it was a lot of fun. Like you said, he brought some flair and personality. But the other thing about it was that set him apart from some of these guys we see today is I don't remember anybody ever saying that he had favoritism or called the game incorrectly or something. He called it down the middle. He called it fair for both sides. He just did it with his own flair and his personality. It's not like it's too many times we see today where it's like, oh, well, if this guy's refereeing a basketball game, look out because the other team's going to get screwed or something like that. He did his just with colorful analogy and language and things. Exactly. Yeah, in that game, it was the Eagles against the Bills. And it was Jim Kelly who got the business uh, from the Eagles, uh, uh, defensive lineman. So, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty good stuff back then. But uh, 96 years old is Ben Dreith today. 96! Well, I mean, it makes sense. You, you said that he refereed from 60 to 90, and then you had another 30 years onto that. So yeah, that uh, you know that yeah. that's he, he would definitely yeah. be up there because you figure that he had to go through a little bit of time before he became an NFL official, right? Right. So uh, Ben Dreith came from the AFL, and so he kind of wanted to prove himself and wanted to say, "Hey, I, you know, I, I came from this upstart league," and I I don't think he did it consciously, but kind of you know again was that was just his personality doing it, and then it kind of caught on and. If, when you talk to anyone who knew him, they told you oh, this was just who he was. I mean, he took his job so seriously, and he was, like, offended. I mean, you would see him, like, so, you know, guy did a personal foul or did something egregious, and he would, like, point at, point at that side really hard, and he would, like, get upset, and he would start arguing with the players as well, too. So just a guy just uh, having fun doing his job. Ed Hockley was another one really, I don't think, did it for effect, but I remember he made this one call uh, in the Pro Bowl, and it sounded like this. I think it's the reason he got the yes, flag. Yes, there are penalties in the Pro Bowl. Pass interference. <laughs> Defense number 24. The ball is placed at the one-yard line. First down. There you go. Yeah, penalties in the Pro Bowl. Because everyone would say, oh, yeah, why do you need to even show up? Why do we have referees for this? You know, It's the Pro Bowl. No one cares. Well, maybe if they would have used Ed Hockley and these other guys in the virtual Pro Bowl as throwback referees, maybe there would have been a reason to watch it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get behind that whatsoever? All right. <laughs> VGK series we talked about on Friday, postponed. Uh, tonight's game, Wednesday's game, well, wasn't going to be in San Jose. It's going to be in Arizona, but San Jose is getting the go-ahead next week to go back home. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. and now they're uh, going to be in San Jose because right. they've announced all the different times, So, and, and they won't be towards the end of the season. They're going to squeeze them in during the season, so uh, you know, hopefully this won't happen too much more, but I have a feeling we're not done with postponements in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, not only that, the NBA, college basketball, we're going to continue to see it here as we're in you know, still in these winter months, we'll see what happens. And, you know, big question mark whether we're, we're going to have these conference tournaments, basketball tournaments here in Vegas. I know it was with the big seven-footer, Bill Cartwright, last weekend. And he says they are planning to have the WCC tournament here. And then now we're getting 
you know, word today that you know, I was talking to Dusty yesterday too, and he was saying they're saying now we're going to have a 156 game schedule and it's going to have a delayed start. So I haven't announced that yet, but that's what's coming down the pike here in the next week or two. Yeah, and I've, all, I've also read that there's been some pushback from the Players Association that they're not crazy about that. So right. they still have some uh, yes. they have some negotiating yeah. to do. All right. I appreciate uh, everyone for joining us today. Thanks to Matthew Holt from U.S. Integrity and also T.J. Reeves, our man in Tampa Bay, the Buck sideline reporter. We'll check in with both those guys later in the week. Steve Berline joins us tomorrow from CBS Sports. As uh, he's getting ready for the Super Bowl, we'll have that coverage all week for you. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com.